Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Hello and welcome to Spark My Muse. I'm your host, Lisa Colon-Delay, and today you're listening to Soul School Lesson 271, The Delicious Malicious. Today we're going to be talking about a few different things, and one of them is called Hanlon's Razor. This is an adage that is a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek adage. It goes something like this. Don't assume somebody is malicious when stupidity is probably to blame. It's possible that we assume sometimes people's actions might be malicious towards us, but Hanlon's razor is this little adage that says, it's probably not that, it's probably stupidity. I want to push back on this a little bit because I don't think stupidity is actually the real answer or the most likely answer. I think there's other choices and other options and other things that are more likely. And the main thing that's the most likely, other than malice, is basically a blind spot. We are the easiest people to fool. And because as human beings, we have so many blind spots, it's easy for us to jump to conclusions, like that someone's stupid, or someone is trying to hurt us on purpose. This has a lot to do with our wounds and our injuries. Our presuppositions have a lot to do with our insecurities as well. If we're concerned that we might look foolish or that we might be thought of as foolish, we're going to assume that other people are. So stupidity is often an assumption, but that's a stupid assumption. The truth is that the average person believes they have above average intelligence. That is one of the most average things a person can think about themselves is they're at least a little bit smarter than the next person. If you wind up thinking usually that you have above average intelligence, that's average. Just about everything we encounter in life and how it's been set up for us is set up for the average person. It's this giant middle section of humanity. It's so that this giant middle section can basically handle it. Yet most of us think we're smarter than this giant middle section. And those in this giant middle section 
are usually the ones that continually will squabble with each other about each other's stupidity. Look at this stupid person over here. Look what this moron did. This is the most average thing that average people do in their average lives. The tiny numbers of people outside this giant middle area, they don't encounter these types of thoughts at all. Not ever. It doesn't even cross their minds. Yet you will hardly ever get through a week without a person, who's average of course, telling you how stupid someone else is, who is just some average ordinary person too. Most of us, this giant middle section of us, are flawed people. We have strengths, we have weaknesses, we make errors, we have occasional wins, we go around misperceiving, and we go around assigning stupidity or malice to other people's actions. In reality, we have blind spots and we have limited perception and point of view. I think there is one thing that's evident, though. Our thoughts that are presuppositions or assumptions, they don't tell us that much about reality that's extremely clear, but they do tell us something about us. We really don't see the world as it is. We really see the world as we are. Malice, on the other hand, pure malice, is something that is extremely calculated. Sure, we might do it, we, we might be manipulative sometimes, but our reactions and our actions are nearly always pretty contradictory, pretty complex. Pure malice is actually quite rare. It's something you might see in the movies. It's something you might have once in a great while, but the average person, which is most of us, isn't acting out of just malice alone. When something happens towards us and it seems purposeful, it seems mean, what is actually happening is a complex array of various emotions and actions that we can wind up perceiving in a variety of ways. And how we choose to respond and react to them is really in our control to a large degree. We can become adapted to reflect and not take things so personally. And in this way, we kind of are forgiving a person of their sinfulness. They're missing the mark of empathy and awareness and a level of awakenedness in their humanity, just like we do all the time in this great big average middle. If we were awakened and able to see, if they were, these types of things wouldn't happen. If we were really awakened, we wouldn't allow people to hijack us emotionally with things that they're doing that are just out of blind spots and unconsciousness. And even if they were directly malicious, we would realize that that is happening out of some degree of imperception and asleepness, because no one in touch with their full humanity would actually do something to someone else out of malice. That is one of those inhumane type of things. It is one of those asleep type of things that people do to each other, not because they're healthy and whole, but because there's something terribly and pitifully wrong with them. So we can understand when we are more awakened that there isn't a direct hatefulness involved in other people's bad actions towards us, although it might seem like that. It is their unawareness that we wind up being able to forgive. And this is why I think that Jesus is able to say when he's being tortured and killed on the cross, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Of course it's malicious. Of course it's murder. And Jesus is being murdered as an innocent person. But he doesn't blame them directly, he doesn't condemn them directly, he just forgives them. Because as a fully formed and whole human being, he realizes they don't even know. 
it's just sad. They don't even know. It doesn't mean that the violence is excusable. It's not. But in a sense, it's sort of understandable in this sort of pitiful way, in this sort of average, asleep, human kind of way. So our violence and our bloodshedding, even the typical sorts of murders that we do with our words, where we hurt people, we crush them and break them down. It's not something we're able to do when we have true empathy or the ability to see someone as they really are, a creature that is from the divine source. Instead, we have an imperception. So the offense isn't really a genuine offense as we might first assume it to be. Thinking of something as a genuine offense is a very average thing to think. So every offense against us feels like a kind of theft. It gives us a sense of loss, and we might feel from this loss a deep emptiness. From this unhealed, empty place, we feel a kind of primal urge, a a cry that comes out from us to find justice, find restoration, find wholeness, find peace. We might cry out in complaint. We might try to push back, get even, punish that person, or just cause them some pain back by lashing out. Again, average human stuff, stuff that is understandable, but stuff that is not very insightful. We feel that pain acutely because we have identified so personally with the loss. In our mind, it has damaged and taken from us something that can't be restored. The loss seems to have happened toward us as a fully purposeful slight to us, an injury. And we don't think that it happened because of a gap in someone's perception or just as an error, as a stupid mistake. And taking that into account, we ourselves don't know what we're doing. We make errors and mistakes we misperceive very often. We hurt people. Sometimes we do it in anger. Sometimes we do it by mistake. Usually we hurt people because of our blindness, or at least in part because of a blindness, a misperception. So plenty of times we go around assigning motives to the actions of others with very few facts, if you come to think about it, or surmising what other people have done when we've hardly taken stock of our situation and our experiential and emotional baggage related to the circumstance. We think about what they've done, but we don't think, how am I receiving this based on what I've already experienced in life? Is my emotional weaponry preloaded to explode like this in my life, in my face, and hurt me? We need to better perceive to be better awakened. This has a lot to do, of course, with how far we've come in our process of healing, in looking at this wild land within, our inner world. Duress and stress and injury is relative. And to be able to have empathy, we have to have the time to reflect, to heal and to reflect. Dr. David DeSteno, professor of psychology at Northeastern University in Boston, tested out this idea of reflection in the form of meditation practices to see, does it help people to not prejudge? In the experiment, half of the participants were trained in meditation over an eight-week period that included weekly classes and home practice with guided recordings. This study showed that there was a link between meditation and the types of physical and psychological well-being we can have but it also was one of the first experiments to show the relationship between meditation, which 
offers us time to reflect and our ability to have compassion on other people, to not prejudge them and assign motives to their actions. What they found out was even for brief periods of time, some engaging in reflection and meditation increases people's responsiveness and their motivation to relieve the suffering of others. The researchers staged a scene in a waiting room where a visibly injured person came in the room and there was no place for them to sit. They waited to see who among the people who had done meditation were likely to show compassion and give up their seat for the injured person. Added to the mix were some actors in the room who intentionally ignored the injured person. And this adds to the social pressure on other people to do the same thing, something known as the bystander effect, where you imitate what other people are doing and there's a social pressure to fit in. 50% of the meditators offered up their chair to the injured person. In comparison, only 15 of the non-meditators did. So even a modest amount of practicing reflection and meditation when we slow down in our lives and allow ourselves to be more present and aware of ourselves, but then aware of others, had a fairly dramatic effect. Desteno writes, one of the ways meditation helps foster compassion is by decreasing the us versus them distinctions that separate people from one another. Encouragingly, additional research from neuroscientists support Desteno's findings, showing that even minor training in mindfulness meditation can alter areas of the brain responsible for empathy. Increased attention meditation is also gaining ground for its cognitive benefits, enhancing memory and creativity and performance on intelligence tests. But ultimately, when it helps people cultivate compassion towards themselves and each other, this is the most dramatic thing it can do for us as social creatures. And this is why the idea of reserving judgment is so important, of taking the mental posture, the emotional posture, of not even reserving judgment so much as realizing how flawed our judging conclusions are. What is more trustworthy in any of these situations than our judgment, which is usually mistaken, is our curiosity, this open-ended wondering and exploration. When we strengthen this muscle of curiosity, we engage in what-if types of questions that don't settle on blame or assigning motives. Instead, they engage with creativity and cooperation and in seeing better with others a way forward. The next time you make a judgment about somebody, please try this. Ask yourself, do I have my mind made up? Ask yourself, what's the payoff I'm getting for this shortcut that avoids deeper thought or a deeper reality that I'm missing? If someone makes what seems like an unfair snap judgment at you or someone else, what if we ask these same questions? What's the payoff we're getting for the shortcut that is avoiding deeper questions and leaving the decision of assigning motives unfinished? Why have we average people gotten so used to being so sure about others when we are so often misperceiving and we're not getting the complete picture? We know we're not. How can curiosity infuse our interactions on a regular basis? and our lives so that we aren't cutting off ourselves from growing and learning and perceiving better and having more compassion on ourselves and others. There's this form of punctuation called the ellipse. It's those three dots that go 
after a phrase, and they mean that it's not finished yet, dot, 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 ellipse. We can use that in our own thought patterns and our own responses towards other people. Instead of deciding, well, what a jerk, what a stupid person, why did they do that? They're a hurtful, mean person. Instead of doing that, we can say, that didn't seem very nice, dot, dot, dot. I wonder about that. I wonder what's going on with that person. I'm curious about that. I haven't made up my mind yet. This is not my final answer. I want to know more. After you realize that routinely assigning malice to others is a way we will misperceive, to continue to do that in your life is then to be malicious because you know you're being unfair. Maybe to enjoy it because we can be lazy then in our thinking or we can manipulate other people in situations or we can poison the well, as it were. And that's when we cast doubt or hurt someone's reputation by maligning them to others. And at that point, we find it delicious to be malicious, which is something we should never do, which is something incredibly unfair and unjust. It might be the average thing to do, but it doesn't have to be where we end up. We can grow up a bit from being average. It's most likely that we are unaware. I am unaware. You are unaware. It's most likely that we have blind spots. And just like blind spots for a driver driving a car, those can be mitigated by turning our head to get a clearer view. And these kinds of blind spots can be mitigated by seeing from a new perspective and not assuming that our view is accurate completely or clear of obstacles. We might wind up bumping into something that we didn't know was there. Ask yourself, have you misjudged someone lately? Have you decided that you had all the facts when you really didn't? Have you assigned the wrong motives to someone? Or has someone done this to you? If you'd like to talk about this a little bit in dialogue, how this might have happened, or how you've overcome some of these things, I'd love to hear about it. And I have a dialogue page for that at my Substack page that's a companion page to this podcast, SSL Soul School Lesson 271. And you can get there from sparkmymuse.com by going to the link for this episode. You can go to sparkmymuse.com also to find all sorts of archives to previous episodes I've done. The stats say something like 521. But whatever the number is in actuality, I hope you might go back to some of the years past or some of the episodes past or do a search for a topic you think you would be interested in listening to and take a listen at some of the previous episodes. I'm always very grateful for you as a listener listening in. If you've learned anything from this, just pass it along to someone else. I would appreciate that. And always, if you have a donation to give or some financial support as a patron supporter or through PayPal, I'm always so grateful because it really helps pay the bills on this end that don't get paid except through gifts and sponsorships such as yours. Until next time, I wish you blessing and peace.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.